from the Greater Omaha Chamber and the Hyder College of Business at Creighton University. This is Lead Together, conversations to connect you and elevate all of us, a podcast to introduce you to successful leaders and inspire the leader within you. I asked the Vice President of Human Resources, who's been there now for about 18 or 20 years, why she came to me, why she went to the NP Dodge Company. And she uh, said to me uh, a lot of different little reasons. But the deciding factor was that when I, I came a little early to my interview and I looked out the window and Sandy was shoveling the walks on a, uh, on a Monday morning when the clouds had not gotten there yet. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I thought to myself, if that's what the president of this company does, that's the, a company I want to work for. Right. They want me. I just thought that I think that's a great that story. Awesome. Thank you for joining us for the inaugural episode of Lead Together. I'm your host, Todd Darnold, and you just heard Kate Dodge talking about her husband, Sandy Dodge. There are more great stories like that to come, so we're glad you're listening. NP Dodge Company is the longest-running family-owned real estate company in the country. Sandy served as president for 35 years before turning the role over to his son, Nate, in 2014. Nate is the fifth generation in that role. While Sandy now serves as chairman of the board, NP Dodge Company is the parent company of NEI Global Relocation, where Kate currently serves as chairman, a role she's held since NEI's inception in 1985. You may already be aware of Kate and Sandy's business and community impact, but what you may not be aware of is their history, how they met, and some of the moments that shaped who they are today. We're excited to share this with you. We start with how Kate and Sandy met at their parents' 25th college class reunion. Thanks again for listening. I hope you enjoy. I came from Boston. I grew up in Milton, Massachusetts, coincidentally the same place that Sandy's mom grew up. And and, uh, Sandy and I met, actually met at our dad's uh, 25th reunion from Harvard. Mm-hmm. And at Harvard, they, the, the big reunions, the family goes back and they have activities for each, um, each uh, age group in the family. So I met Sandy and uh, he told me he was from Omaha, Nebraska. So now you're away because you live in the dorms at Harvard for this five day, four or five day reunion. And I'm thinking, Omaha, Nebraska, where the heck is that? Who is one person who has been especially influential in your life? And what lessons or lessons did you learn from them? I believe I've had mentors at every single stage of my life. Through high school, somebody who thought that I could, at age 15, go off and be a counselor at a camp when they've never had anybody other than sophomores and juniors in college. Mm-hmm. All the way through my life, I could, and I'm not going to bore you, the great majority of all of those I that I think of are women, with the exception of two people who are men. And the first one was my dad, and I've told you a little bit about him. Um, but and when I think back, I believe he was more chauvinistic uh, than I ever thought he was when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. But I, for some reason, was an exception to that. And he really thought that I could do anything. There was the expectation I would go to, go to college, to mm-hmm. a liberal arts school, that I would go potentially to graduate school, that I would have a career and I could do anything that I that, that I set 
my mind to. And the confidence he had in me, I think I began to get in myself, for myself. So he would be the first. And the second would be Sam. Because as I, we've talked about starting this new business that he started in his, in his company, and um, as a psychologist, I didn't have a clue about a bottom line. That would have been the last thing I would have thought about it. But the most important thing was to figure out what was going on with his child or his family or the situation. And, and no matter how long it took or how, what, what I had to do. So not, I knew nothing about business. And uh, so Sandy, in his positive and kind and, and helpful way, really mentored me through uh, those, those learning the aspects of business that I needed, needed to have in this new position. Sandy, same, same question, influential people, mentors? Um, almost the same answer. Uh, I, I, there were two that, that I particularly feel mentored me. Uh, one was my dad, mm-hmm. and the other is Kate, without any question. And uh, as far as my dad goes, the first, I have to give you the first uh, first incident. Uh, my father felt it was really important that if you're going to live in a community and you're making your money in that community, you should do uh, everything you can to make that community better. And so, in addition to the uh, number of boards that he was on, the one that really stands out for me was that in 1955, in the 50s, 55, 54, he uh, became head of the uh, Urban League, and at that time, the, the paid administrator of the Urban League was a guy named Whitney Young. And Whitney Young became uh, a national figure in the movement for African American rights. But the one thing that Whitney would do was he would call my father and he would say, uh, this restaurant, uh, I've been told by friends that if uh, an African American walks in, they will not serve them. So dad said, okay, I'll pick you up. I'll be there about 11.45. He would go down and pick up what you know, and they would drive into one of these restaurants, get in a table, sit down, and have lunch together. And that was kind of breaking that that barrier to a certain degree. Uh, the other Could thing I interrupt that, this? Sure. <laughs> okay. That was brave when you run a service business, a real estate right. business where it feels when I hear that story, um, a real estate business where people were segregated mm-hmm. in this community. So it was it was a brave thing to yeah. do as well as the right thing to yeah. do. I always I always had a job. In the summer, I worked. Uh, the first job I ever had was being a, uh, a person who picks up glasses in a restaurant and pours the water mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Uh, anyway, uh, when I was 16, Dad decided that um, I was old enough to go out with Dick Abernathy 
lots uh, in Massillon, Ohio, which was at that time growing fairly well because of the factories. And uh, so we would put put it together. It took about 30 days to run the rows through. And then we would go around to the churches on Sunday and put stickers on the windshield saying, we want to buy a lot for $5 down, $5 a week. That time, the MHA and VA uh, mortgages uh, hadn't yet blossomed as they did. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we once we've got the, the work done and had uh, set out the lots and people would take out the tags and bring them into it and sell it. On that day, Dad came in and would help sell. So a man came to me uh, in overalls, really dressing, uh, and started to ask me questions about the lots. I said, I'm sorry, I can't answer that, but I'll introduce you to my father. So I took I took him over and I said, Dad, this guy has some questions that he has to answer about lots. Dad, in his very friendly way, stuck his hand out, introduced himself, and I went back to, you know, being available and uh, whatever I was doing at that time. And Dad talked to him for about 10 or 15 minutes. So then I heard him say, Sandy, turn around. He said this, and, and he wasn't smiling. Right. Oh Christ! What did I do? And so he took me behind the tent, and he said, "Sandy, don't ever call somebody a guy. Call him a gentleman. He deserves that respect." Well, and it it taught me that regardless of what's going on in your mind. You always treat people with respect. It was, uh, and it took a while for me to think that through. So one thing I'm really curious about, given the timing of these stories about your your father, what do you think led him toward the urban league position and led him to be willing to take that stance? Because the cost could have been enormous. To Kate's point, in that business. Well, and we got calls, uh, we got nasty letters, and we got nasty calls, and one call was, at that time, I was going to, to uh, Central High, and somebody, and people would call up and say, we know where your son is, and if he doesn't come home tonight, well, that's just too bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and now, it, it, when you think about it, uh, at that time, gee, going to a restaurant, that's pretty tame. But that's how bad this country has been mm-hmm. to African Americans. Mm-hmm. It's getting a little better, but we ain't there yet. What led him to take oh, a strong position? Right. You know, I don't know. It, it because once he jumped in, uh, I mean, we all got behind it. I have an idea. I'm I'm working on it. Is that okay? Yeah. His mother, (laughs) Laura, Laura Dodge, his mom, Mm -hmm. was the kindest, nicest human being you could ever meet. So Sandy's, uh, so Mr. Dodge's mom, Phil Dodge's mom. Right. And she treated everybody, no matter who they were. 
so beautifully. And I really think she was his mom. And I think that it, that he, does that make sense? Yes. And I think that um, made Mr. Dodge, who I called Mr. Dodge, Phil Dodge, mm-hmm. uh, the caring and uh, individual he was. So tell me about Kate being mentor. Um, I'm I'm trying to think of the the uh, she's been a mentor for things like sweat the details, really get the details, mm-hmm. and I've watched her do it in her company, and I've watched her do it around the house or when we had guests and the flowers have to be in the right place and and the, and the place looks great but it's because she has seen those details um, the other thing is never give up never give up um, and oh and the other is there's something good in everybody and there are times when you may have to work a little hard to find it, but everybody has something good about them. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kate is just uh, a people lover. Is that right to say? Um, oh, and there's a four. Really listen when people are talking. And uh, that's been very helpful to me. Sometimes I tend to move a little quick, quickly. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kate wants to make sure you really have all the facts. And I've seen this not only throughout her business, which is the largest business we have. She started out with four people in the house for And she got there sweating the details. How did you measure your success? And kind of how did you how did you know you were successful? How do you know or feel when you're successful? You know, um, I <laughs> that's a that's a hard question. Mm-hmm. Um, I measure success. There are, there are a number of different ways, but one of the ways that's very important to me is uh, the success of our people. And NEI has been given a lot of awards. Uh, the Coca-Cola Company gave us an award, the Miller Coors, Duke Energy, the big corporations that we work for, for our business and what, we, what we've done with them and with their, with, their, um, with, their relocating, with their relocation departments, consulting with them and with their transferees. But the two that I like the most are, are the Best Places to Work in Omaha Award and the Best Places for the Advancement of Women. Because I really have loved to see, uh, have had even a teeny part in the growth of professional of professionals and particularly women. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and, and I and, and there are great stories around that. The senior vice president of domestic relocation at NEI today 
is started as an assistant, came in as a just a relocation assistant, didn't know anything about the business, very smart, very strategic in her thinking, very well organized person. She became an account executive, she became a senior account executive, she became a director of the department, and she's now the, the senior vice president. At the same time, she had just gotten married when she started at, at NEI. She has four children, two of whom the second one is just is starting college this fall. And so we've been able to, and that's one story of a lot that have grown both personally and professionally and done that successfully. Mm-hmm. And what is better than having that, you know, that, that to me is, is a real success. On the way other end of the scale, I simple things, Sandy talked about that, simple things make me feel successful. If I finished, I knit four sweaters for our four youngest grandchildren, and to watch those four little kids in those four matching sweaters was great. To make a, to do a, make a delicious dinner for friends or for family and have people enjoy it. To finish, to finish a crossword puzzle. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason I like these simple little things is that uh, in business, you're never finished. Yep. I mean, you just yep. keep, the challenges keep happening and all of that. I like cleaning out my refrigerator mm-hmm. because then I can open, the, open it and see something that's totally done. Mm-hmm. Now that really may be, but I think simple things as well as the, the bigger successes are just as important. Same question, Sandy. From a business perspective, success is simply, to some degree, making a profit. Because if you don't make a profit, you're not going to go any further. But on the other hand, to sustain that business into being more profitable, you have to have a very high ethical standing in your business and in the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I've, we've seen where some people make money very quickly and maybe not quite in the right way. You know, you're, you're not going to do that. I mean, you can't keep doing it. So to sustain that business, I think you have to have a very, very high ethical standard. And that ethical standard absolutely comes from the top down. It cannot go from the lower area up. It's got to be from the top down. So if you're head of that company, you have to understand that. The other thing is that everything we do uh, communicates. Everything we do communicates. And the higher you go in a company, the more people you affect in that fashion. And I, I just think people have to be aware of that. And there are times when you just you'd like to scream, but you don't, mm-hmm. because they expect you to be thoughtful and think things through. I'm, I'm thinking of one of our really great managers in uh, our residential sales division, and I was walking up there. I, I would we used to just walk into these different offices. And I said, hi to him. How are you doing? And he said, I'm doing just great. And then he said, 
no matter how I'm feeling, when I walk through that door, I'm feeling great. Mm -hmm. Now, there was a manager that understood that uh, you communicate not just by what you say, but how you say it, what you do, and what you talk about. Mm -hmm. So, When we talk about, again, longevity of a company, uh, you've got to be aware of if you are uh, in any kind of a management position, you've got to be aware of what you're communicating to your people. Um, The other thing in a service industry, which we are in, People just can't be satisfied with what you do. You have to, in most cases, exceed those expectations. Uh, Because if you just satisfy them, they'll look around. But if you satisfy them above their expectations, the chances are they'll come back. Mm -hmm. Tell us a, a story about a time when you led with your heart while not leaving your head behind. That's an easy one for me. Can I answer first? Yes, yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, let's... When Sandy asked me to get married, I said yes. <laughs> and you know, you might have thought that was stupid. I grew up in Boston. He grew up in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, he had he he we we were very different. We came, but we both came from traditional families, and um, to him, his mom as a wife and mother, both of our mothers were very traditional, wife, mother, doing volunteer work in the community, very, very similar in that, and, um, and I, I had different, I had different ideas about what I wanted to do, and so uh, that, could, that was very difficult in the 1960s. Um, Sandy's contemporaries did not um, uh, no, your contemporaries did not have wives who didn't do the vacuuming if they didn't have a cleaning lady, right? And he did the vacuuming. And he did, I mean, we, we have split the chores of our family from the beginning. And, and in those days, I mean, today it's totally normal, but it wasn't then. And he just uh, hung in there and uh, became, I think, a better dad. He, I mean, I think there were all kinds of positives, obviously, for that. But um, if, if I had thought through all of the reasons why this wasn't going to work, <laughs> I might have said no. But uh, so my, it, I listened to my heart, and somewhere in there, I think, was my head, and it turned out to be right. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Right. That's got to go for both of us. After we ended the official interview, I gave Sandy a hard time for essentially responding ditto to my last question. Luckily, the microphones were still on when he left me with an insightful message that sums up his leadership philosophy. We leave you with Sandy's words of wisdom. You know, one other comment I want to make is when you're the fourth or fifth in in V-Dodge and they've all been in the real estate business, everybody's standing on somebody's shoulders for where they are. But it's very important that you don't drive the truck looking in the mirror. Thanks to all of you for listening, and thank you to the Greater Omaha Chamber and the Hyder College of Business at Creighton for supporting this podcast. Remember, we don't coast, 
we lead together. Subscribe to Lead Together to receive future updates about new episodes. This podcast was produced by Liz Kerrigan with help from Linda Schaefer, Jill Bruckner, and Creighton University students. Again, I'm your host, Todd Darnold, and we look forward to our next conversation.